everybody. Welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your snoozing bruiser, Holden McNeely. And I'm your woken wizard. I see through time and respect all races. <laughs> Today we've got a killer episode for you. That's right. It's Mass Effect. Everybody knows it. Nobody doesn't know about it. Shepard. Yeah? I want you to make a choice. I'm going to need you to either kill every single baby in the galaxy or hug them. Um, can I interject? I'm Seth Whoa, Green. Whoa, are you able to deal with this moral choice? I'm Seth Green. And, oh, shit, it's Seth Green. He's and, there. And uh, I drive the airplane. Oh, no, it blew up. Oh, oh shit, the plane blew up in this one. What an amazing <laughs> twist. <laughs> Anyway, uh, why are we taking a dump on this? All of a sudden? No, no, it's fine. No matter what you do, someone will just make a passing comment and be like, hey, remember that time you killed or hugged all babies? <laughs> Can and I? you're going to be in your chair being like, oh, fuck it, remembered. I want to do the choice that lets me have sex with the blue girl. Oh, everybody wants to have sex. Tec- Liara was my Liara lady. was yours? Absolutely. And hot lesbian Jack. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we kind of did a little. Well, we'll get into that. Everybody, it's Mass Effect. <laughs> Mass Effect, the game that uh, if you don't know, about it uh, uh, an amazing space setting sci-fi space RPG um, took me a long time before I actually got around to playing it but I played the entire trilogy in a row when I by the time I got to it just back to back to back Lexi loved it she couldn't get enough yeah. of seeing actually she did like it because it was so cinematic because of all the different conversation choices and character development and everything she actually did kind of dig uh, having that game on in the background what always strikes me as amazing about the Mass Effect universe is the universe itself. Mm-hmm. They did an amazing job with the setting and the politics and the races and the technology. We'll get into it more specifically, but in Mass Effect 2, when you travel from planet to planet and there is ex- just incredible detail about the atmosphere, the the biology, the races of every single planet, and you can sit there if you want mm-hmm totally optional and read all of this world building if you'd like or you could never even look at that stuff you know and it's just there for you as a reference it's incredible world building I don't like actually going into the codexes I like uh, going up to crew members individually Mm. and Mm -hmm. just like kind of chit chatting with them and eventually just asking them all the pithy little details of their entire race and culture Yes, which in real life is very very rude yes (laughs) yes is incredibly rude but they would share it Happily, in Ma- like if real world was like Mass Effect, I could walk up to every Mormon and just be like, "So wait, do you guys get married or do you just fuck?" <laughs> so, and a Mormon would be like, "We believe in a very special kind of mating." <laughs> <laughs> so developed by Bioware, right? We've got uh, uh, it's Canada's a- number one fuck squad, yeah, exactly. Bioware Entertainment, located in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Why do they have three? For each one, it's like state and country. What do we have? Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Are you, are you trying to like break down what's the deal with cities? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just double check and let loose, man. What is going on with all that? <laughs> Founded in February 1995 by newly graduated medical doctors from the University of Alberta, Ray Muzika. Uh, Frig, Jake. <laughs> did I did I get that name wrong as hell? Greg Zeshuk and Augustine Yip. Yep, everyone gets Yip right on the first try. Of course, (laughs) Yip is the easiest one. Why can't everybody have the last name Yip? If I could change one thing about the planet, it's that everybody would have the last name Yip. Nobody lives in cities. Everyone's name is Yip. (laughs) This is Holden's world. Yes, Holden's world. And you know what? I don't want to blow people's minds here, but I would eradicate slavery. (laughs) No slaves in my world. We're all Yips, people. We're all Yips. And how could you own someone who had your last name? It's impossible. I'd vote for you. Anywho, <laughs> they did uh, programming for medical school and were big time gamers. Ended up uh, pulling together $100,000 to make their first game, Shattered Steel, for the MS DOS and the Mac OS. Very much a mech warrior game. You're in these giant mechs. The, only, the thing that made it more unique or stand out was that you had uh, locational damage. You could like uh, target specific parts of an enemy and affect it in different ways and mobilize it. Just different stuff like that. But the main thing that really grabbed them was pen and paper role playing games. And so from there, they sort of, they were like, okay, we have what it takes to make a game. Some people liked it. It was talked about very little, but that's when they started working on 
a demo called Battleground Infinity, which ended up being Baldur's Gate. Now, people love Baldur's Gate, and it's on my to-do list. I have it. Somebody gifted me Baldur's Gate 2 on Steam. Um, I want to check it out, and every time I bring it up, I'm like, guys, like when I'm talking to chat or whatever on Twitch, I'm like, um, would I like Baldur's Gate? You know, does it hold up? And everyone's like emphatically, yes. Like, play this game. Well, what... Uh what what Baldur's Gate and and the early Bioware uh, computer RPGs did is they did a very good job of kind of translating the Dungeons and Dragons experience to a single player PC setting, mm-hmm. and so that meant that you had infinite customization. You had the ability to kind of respond to uh, to all the situations that were presented in front of you. You could level things up. You could you know spec out your warriors and your party as well as as much as you wanted. And it was actually like very well written and the individual like characters, I never played it either, but there's this legacy of having, um, even though what you're looking at is just like little isometric sprite people, yeah, uh, just the freedom to kind of engage with this world almost as freely as, uh, you know, having an actual dungeon master across the table from you and, you know, kind of improving with you. Yeah, it was it was you know, it automatically calculated the rules based on the um uh the spe- uh, advanced D&D second edition. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it was one of the first games that really took the D&D rule set and and uh, math and everything and and sort of incorporated it really well into a video game. Um in ways that other kind of RPGs kind of like how JRPGs were invented uh, from also from the base Dungeons and Dragons rule set, uh, they kind of brought it to the next level and brought that level of complexity instead of kind of dumbing it down for console. And it it was a three year dev process. Mm-hmm. It said it required ninety man years. I don't know what that. What's a man year? Uh, it's like uh, like like man hours, but longer. Okay. Wow, man, oh, that's a lot of years. It was spent, uh, they were creating that game, and they were also, though, I think the reason why it took so long is they were developing the Bioware Infinity Engine. Um, Now, at this point, Augustine Yip, unfortunately, goes back to his medical career, so we can't say his name again. Um, And he had the easy name to say, and so now I'm kind of upset because now I can only say the difficult names. I mean, those two guys uh, retired themselves in 2012, so... Uh, it's you know they're the founders they're the guys that kind of took the reins but very quickly the studio grows and it's not specifically about like uh, their visions it's kind of more about the individuals that they've hired and the talent that they foster well and Ray Mizuka says the uh, team held a passion and a love of the art and that really the whole thing came together so well and this is going to be a thread Jake that we're going to see a lot and I'm it's one I was so happy to see this because I'm such a huge proponent for collaboration when it comes to comedy writing um, anything that you do creatively music music you know anything that I do I'm a big big proponent for collaboration When I teach writing classes, I say, you know, collaboration is absolutely key. Find people that you can share your voice with and develop your voice with that you can bounce ideas off of. And the Bioware, uh, essentially the Bioware like motto is collaboration. You know, it's it's, it's always about that. And and so this is the first time we really see this. But the main thing you'll see is that... um, the the and I'm talking about collaboration in the sense that like everybody would kind of go off and write things, but the entire team would review every other person's work and made sure that it was all aligned with the voice of of the whole. And so that's why you have these wonderfully cohesive works. And that you know, and I think the Mass Effect Super is a wonderfully cohesive work. Like it it really doesn't feel disjointed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the like in the sense of the world building and stuff. Okay. Okay. I would say if you're talking about like from game to game, I'm not talking about that. Okay, is that what you're talking about? We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll get into it. I'm also I will uh, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll talk about this whole the whole criticism of Mass Effect three and all that good stuff. Um, and how about that Andromeda? Huh? We'll talk about it. How about we don't? <laughs> <laughs> I got like a paragraph on it at the end here. No, actually, oh yeah, I have a little bit there. Um. Let's just throw that in the same bucket with the Matrix sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So um, after that, um, they work on uh, some third-person shooter stuff, uh, which I guess will come into play a little bit more, or or at least uh, uh, the relevance of that stuff does come into play with Mass Effect, especially Mass Effect 2, Mm -hmm. more so Mass Effect 3. Um, It was called MDK. Murder, death, kill. Is that what it stands for? MDK 2, yeah. Did you ever play it? I played the first MDK. Really? Never uh, never the second one. Now, Bioware did not make the first one? No, that was Shiny Entertainment, the same guys that did uh, Earthworm Jim, so it had kind of an off-kilter sense of humor. And so MDK 2 was released on PC, Dreamcast, and PS2, which gave them their first taste of uh, death for consoles so I think that's I think MDK2 a third person shooter B console making so I think that's really where those that what makes that at all relevant and then Baldur's Gate 2 Shadows of Ammon Am- uh, came out after that um, and this really is I feel like the the Baldur's Gate that everybody super loves right I mean is the the that's kind of the one that everyone talks about, right? Or, or would say to go play. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, that's the one that had all like the special editions and stuff on on every platform. And we see things like, all right, plot wise, they were having more of a focus on having a good twist in the plot. Um, and keeping it o- the ending open for sequels, something that'll come into play in Mass Effect. Tried to have at least three dialogue choices for every single time there were dialogue choices. That comes into play with Mass Effect. Um, and uh, this whole time, by the way, they're working with Interplay. Interplay ends up going bankrupt, even though this game sold particularly well. Um, and so they end up uh, teaming with LucasArts after this for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Now, I think Jake and I are both a little embarrassed to say we've never played <laughs> Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which which is nuts because I have friends who fucking love Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Love, love, Super love. Super producer Megan is nodding enthusiastically in reference to KOTOR. Mm, yes, absolutely. It's uh, a cool game. I mean, I definitely enjoyed what I saw of it, especially the whole light side, dark side sort of... Uh, kind of way of doing things where you know you could make do do different actions that would that would make you sort of more aligned with the dark side more and and of course that comes into play with mass effect as well with the paragon system um and and how that all sort of uh, that all kind of seems to start here um it was directed by Casey Hudson. Mm-hmm. And now Casey Hudson's going to be a big, big player in all of this stuff. When we he get was into a young Mass guy at the time of Knights of the Old Republic. So like this was a incredible feat for him to take this massive franchise in a direction that they had never really gone to. Like the the sprawling RPG within the Star Wars universe is something that people had like wanted forever and that they managed to knock it out of the park is immense. Um, yeah, like, and, and it really helps them. All right, a lot of things help them out in terms of that. I would say the big, big one was Lucas, uh, George Lucas himself gave them the option. Either you can do a story that's set 4,000 years before episode one, or you could do a story that's like right, I think, before or after the Clone Wars. And they said, let's do 4,000 years before the start of episode one because we can really create a story that's not bound by the Star Wars kind of the bit larger Star Wars arc that we you know the, that we know in the mainstream. And they can really like build a unique story just using like the IP essentially. Um, and I think that's a, a real testament to what. So they were already taking. Uh, you know, taking a franchise, but still trying to tell their own story with that franchise. And so it doesn't make a, it's not a big surprise that they would end up creating their own IP with Mass Effect after this came out. Um, uh, we're still dealing with, so we're, we're still dealing with D&D rules, with round-based combat, but they just, uh, th- this is the game where they sort of start to make it feel a little more active time, even though it's still turn-based, and that's what you get with the first Mass Effect as well, uh, but that was kind of, that was a weird, a confusing time for me in RPGs because I was like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Because it was also like Final Fantasy twelve mm-hmm. and stuff like that where it's like, I'm sorry, are we like, is this an action game or is this an RPG? Is this like, you know, you're like, no, 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 it's it's still calculating menu-based fighting, but it's just sort of like happening at this kind of... uh, rate that's making it feel like it's, um, it's not menu-based. Yeah, it's still, it's still, yeah, it's still numbers being fired at other numbers, but, uh... 
the actually the well we'll get to that but mass effect was their follow-up to kotor like they were like we're gonna we're gonna improve on this base but building our own universe and our own ip I also have to introduce Drew Karpstushin. Why are these names just They're trash? Canadian. Tra- is that, that's not, I don't, I haven't met a lot of people with complicated Canadian names, except for my buddy Garfield Linklikenton. <laughs> and Garfield Linklikenton still is not as complicated as Drew Karpstushin. I didn't even think about it. I didn't say the name out loud. Casey Hudson. Now that's a name you can really hang your hat on. Thank you, Casey Hudson. Uh, he uh, Drew, I'll just call him by his first name like I know him. Drew was a loan officer until he got into a near-fatal car accident, after which he quit his job and returned to college for a degree in English. So if you're a loan officer, think about what you really want in this life and go get it because I'm sick of it. All right? So what, is somebody going to have to shoot you in the damn leg for you to realize you should stop being a loan officer? It's uh, he was he finally picked the Paragon option. There you go. Uh, he got his first game designer it's either gig. ruin lives or write about spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> he got his first game designer gig uh, with Wizards of the Coast, uh, for which he wrote two novels, one being Baldur's Gate Two: Throne of Pahal, and joined Bioware in 2000. Wrote the scenario and a lot of the dialogue for Kotor. So now we get to mass effect oh the title of this episode yes the actual title of this episode well i wanted to give them background because i feel like people would be like but what did they do before it you know does anybody ever scream at you for that uh no no one screams at me in a weird cockney orphan accent has no one showed up at your front door with a baseball bat to ask you questions about where's in the bruiser yet uh no i don't meticulously film the inside of my own apartment every day that's probably what it is the context clues that they pull from the inside of my own apartment well god bless you uh, Brian, baseball bat Brian. <laughs> he God tracked boy. by. He figured out what kind of pigeons you live near. <laughs> he could hear them. Oh, he's definitely in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I scream. I live in Queens all the time. That's my tagline. I'm olden. I love to stream, and I live in stupid Queens. Also, it probably doesn't help that I. Uh Keep leaving your address up every time you say it on Roundtable. There you go. <laughs> every single time I've said it aloud on, on Roundtable also, that is Super Producer Megan there for you. BioWare partners up with Pandemic Studios. And the partnership is bought in 2007 by EA. Pre-production for Mass Effect begins in 2004. Uh, and they want to make it for the Xbox 360. It's a team of 130 people using the Unreal Engine 3 as the basis engine, and they work on this game for three to four years. I brought up Casey Hudson and Gru Carpentier before. Mm-hmm. That's because Casey Hudson directs the first Max Effect, and Drew Carpentier is the lead writer. Now, you say that stupid name. Drew Carpentier. Oh, okay. I guess it's Carpation? not that bad. I don't know. Uh, the, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a work of a lot of different people. Uh, it's uh, Matt Rhodes was the concept artist. I'm pretty sure it's only the two. Okay, uh, <laughs> and you know, in the dialogue writers and the cinematic writers and the gameplay writers are all different. You know, people. It's it's just it all kind of the the heads kind of get the final say. Um, but you know, they did a they did a lot of things differently. And Mass Effect One is kind of like this weird thing in uh in in the franchise because everyone agrees it's like the it's the weakest baby of the of the group what's funny though is there are some people that absolutely argue for it as being their favorite um which is weird they like the stupid car What's nobody, this? no, nobody likes the Mako. The the stupid Mako. They like the and re, no re, the real argument though is they like the RPG style um, mechanic fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they you know so Mass someone Effect was one, like I love how this combat is so clunky and yeah, hard to control. Exactly, and I had a lot of weird moments with that game. So and it definitely felt like oh this is one I need to get through to get to like the real masterpiece that is Mass Effect. The two. uh rumors were that uh Mass Effect was actually really far along and uh at around 2006 uh Gears of War just kind of blew up the Xbox like world. Cover with, shooting. Yeah. Uh early demos of the uh original Mass Effect had a lot more Kotor style uh, kind of taking control of individual party members, placing them somewhere, commanding them to do something, uh, 
all the shooting was done with like an auto lock system. So it was kind of like, um, what's the thing in Fallout? The uh, VAT system. The VAT system where you just kind of place where you are and start firing based on probabilities. Mm-hmm. So many of the so many of the things that uh, people complain about are the kind of where the shooting combat. So they added shooting combat. Okay. They kind of like kind of, you know, at the last minute kind of steered the ship. That makes so much sense, Jake. Uh, which is why every most most strategies besides just using biotics to lift someone and then running up and shotgunning them is kind of gets frustrating and yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, so that is the, there are, are these different systems. Too. So there's shooting, there's biotics. What was the mechanic? There's a tech, a tech oh, class. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a soldier, engineer, Adept, yes. Vanguard, Sentinel, Infiltrator. And these all have different fighting styles and approaches, which I think is a lot of fun for you to um, kind of get, get, you know, pick something and stick with it, you mm-hmm. know, and really kind of develop each different class and feel like you had a range of fighting styles. At the same time, the problem that you run into is that you get kind of bummed out when you're like, well, I kind of want to try this other stuff, but I can't really do that because I have to kind of stay in my lane with my class. And that, that I remember that being a frustration. Well, this is kind of the interesting thing is where their previous RPG games were based on, you know, D&D rules where you create your own character from scratch. You build your guy from the ground up. You build up his backstory. You kind of just, you know, you just create your avatar to navigate the world in. Shepard is a really unique beast in the world of video games. They, ah. Well, I was... <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> Oh my god, a bat is attacking Jake's mic. <laughs> Get him off! Hit him off! Spray him! Spray it's him with a, that bat a, spray that we have in the studio. As soon as he drinks my blood, he will die, thanks to all the toxins I've imbued Sorry, myself. the last podcast guys opened up a portal and these <laughs> fucking creepy bats keep flying in. We apologize for that. Uh, so yeah, they wanted players to assume a character that had to make important decisions to create a new level of intensity and cinematic power. They wanted someone that really felt more like a movie hero, like a, a cin- they wanted a game that felt more cinematic and more uh, re- fully realized and actualized. That said, I made my shepherd look real dumb. I made him look like an old bald man. He like looked so wrong for the part. Um, and, and, and I got to keep that shepherd through the whole game. So this is the other thing that people flipped shit about is that they said, you know, your character will play through each game. You will be able to upload your save data from your first playthrough into your second and third, um, into Mass Effect two and three, the decisions that you make in the first game will come into play in the, in the very end. They made all, all, a lot of promises about that. Um, some they kept, some they did not. Um, but it was really cool to create a character um, and then a hundred and whatever hours later, I mean, I'm still that same, you know, same character and I'm playing the third in the trilogy. Uh, listening to fans talk about Mass Effect, they don't talk in terms of like Shepard did this, Shepard did that. They say, my Shepard th- did this, yeah. my Shepard did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything from the uh, choice of background, whether he's like a war hero, a soul survivor, a colonist, like Earthborn, whether he is an infiltrator or a soldier or an adept. So, like, people go through these games multiple times, um, and uh, it's kind of, you know, either, and either your uh, male shepherd, uh, whose voice uh, Matt Mercer was, like, just some Canadian improv jabroni yeah. who has ended up becoming, like, his own Matt Mercer, I think his name is. Uh, the uh, Mark, Mark Mir, Mir and Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Mir, Hale, yeah. Uh, Mir voiced characters for Dragon Age and Baldur's Gate, and that's how he kind of ended up. These are, and these are our both Canadian uh, 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 voice actors that ended up sort of, uh, and also Jennifer Hale did Baldur's Gate. She did voices for KOTOR. She did voices actually for Metal Gear Solid as well now, and Metroid Prime. I think it's kind of taken as baseline that like Jennifer Hale gives the more compelling vocal performance, especially in the earlier games. But uh, here's a weird, do you want to hear the weirdest piece of trivia I found out about uh, the Mass Effect series? Uh, the default male Shepard. Like you think like cover art Shepard is based on Danish model Mark Vanderloo. Danish model Mark Vanderloo. And if you look up a photo of him, you'll be like, oh, fuck, that's just Shepard. That's totally Shepard. That's weird. He was kind of a male supermodel uh, in the 90s Hmm. to the point where the character of Derek Zoolander, 
by uh, Ben Stiller was ah. actually being influenced by Mark Vanderloo. Ah. So there's your weird connection between Zoolander and Mass Effect. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. At first I was like, where is he going with this? And then it totally paid the knots fuck off. Knots into knots yeah, tied that's into awesome. knots. That is so awesome. Um, so, so, um, 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 I feel like I do that way too. Um, I do that so much. Cause we like, we, we grab threads off the ground. We like yank them <laughs> and throw them on the ground and have to find new ones. So this is also, you got to realize like there's big firsts going on here. The concept that a, a character would get, uh, uploaded into each subsequent sequel was crazy groundbreaking. The, uh, this is the first time you're seeing, not the first time, but this is when you're really starting to see actual acting in video games, I feel like, you oh. know, like, like they were using facial expressions at its oh. most rudimentary level, but, uh, this was a, um, like it, the Xbox 360 had been out for a couple of years by this point. So the team knew how to like do some cool, like it, what always happens when a new game generation comes out is people don't quite know how to like get the most out of the hardware. So they do all these amazing graphical tricks, like, uh, the close-ups. whenever Shepard goes in for a close up, and it's like this amazing high def, like high poly count face that previously like. It was no way you could do that on a PS2 or a regular no. Xbox when really what they had was just one model of a face kind of shuttled to the side and like they would use it for close ups and then quickly like move it back to the regular uh, shots. Hmm. It's not that the default Shepard model was that good. They just had one good Shepard face yes. that they could pop in. Huh. And uh, I think the most revolutionary thing that kind of change the game's uh, world in Mass Effect 1 is the fucking dialogue wheel. Yes. That uh, it was a system that they managed to work around. And I mean, that was in KOTOR as well. It No, you still had like kind of the old adventure game style prompts. Oh, okay. Would, you would never hear your character respond. You would ha get the three responses. Oh. You would click the one you want to do. And then like the uh, character you were talking to would immediately respond as if you had just said it. Also, well, was in Mass Effect Two, is this also the first time we're seeing? As I'm trying to remember now that it would it would give you a dialogue choice, but then the actor wouldn't necessarily say that dialogue choice. In Mass Effect One, as they well, they would expound on that dialogue. Like, so it would be like, oh, I'm not really interested in that, and then he would go, you know, that's really just not my thing, and I don't think, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wouldn't necessarily say the phrase you selected, but he would. You were just selecting kind of the 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 vibe he was throwing out. It would. Oh, um, there was a whole design philosophy behind it. The idea was you would get. On the wheel, a truncated series of responses, usually arranged so, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, like the uh, renegade thing would be on the top left, the paragon, uh, or maybe paragon neutral renegade. It was top, middle, bottom, top, middle, yeah. bottom, and then like there would be a mark for investigate, and there would be one for like, yeah. tell me more. I so, think it was actually on the right side was paragon neutral renegade. On the left side, correct me if I'm wrong, by the way. On the left side, it was um, just to get more information. Essentially, it was like any any dialogue choice that would just be asking questions, not actually making a you know attitude decision. So you're listening, you're reading, and you're making decisions on the fly, which is kind of how a conversation works. Yeah. And uh, that was very new. That was actually an incredible design um, advancement, which uh, Armando Troisi, again, with these weird fucking Bioware <laughs> names, uh, in a talk in GDC, talked about how uh, this created an agreement between Bioware and the player. And the uh, rules are basically that... Um, Mass Effect games would give you anytime there was a choice that the player should make for themselves, they would be given that choice and that um, the responses, even though truncated, would accurately portray the intention of the player, which there's like famous moments where like when that trust breaks down, everyone like rolls their eyes. And uh, and when uh, executed poorly, a lot of people point to Fallout 4 mm. having a really shitty kind of dialogue wheel system. Mm. Uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating because you're trying to express yourself through these characters. And they seem to, yeah, they seem to say something. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I didn't mean to yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, we also have just an insane amount of of material that these writers had to create 400,000 words more than 20,000 lines of spoken dialogue um according to Carpuchin 
This is roughly the equivalent of 20 movies or four to five full novels worth of material that they had to write. I looked it up and like, you know, War and Peace is 500,000 words. So like back up, Carpish, and you had a team of writers. All right. Big whoop. Please. Okay. Um, And, uh, you know, again, just talk about the collaboration thing. You know, each planet had a primary writer and they each had to um, had to review each other's work. And this collaborative effort really, again, I just feel like speaks to the world building. When when you have such a huge world like this, Mm -hmm. you really need to have everybody kind of checking each other and sort of trying to make sure that it's as cohesive as possible. Do you have any like fun memories of Mass Effect one? Like, did you like going to complain a lot about stuff? But uh, uh, the weapon like we can get into the mechanics, but there is like some cool shit in there. So I'm trying. Okay, and the other hard game I have to play is since I played all three in a row, it all blurs. Was it Mass Effect One? Was it Mass Effect Two? Or was it Mass Effect Three? So Saren, Saren was Mass Effect One. Yes, uh, and so was uh, Liara. And I really had never really like got invested in a romantic relationship in a video game before and I felt like this the even the kind of more soap opera elements of Mass Effect were really strong like developing my relationship with Liara and that really like I was really like you know that's that's my girl that's yes. my woman you know she's beautiful she's everything she's a blue ass alien woman I believe the term <laughs> that the uh, concept artist uh, concept artist Matt Rhodes uh, was given the directive uh, we need blue-skinned space babes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a couple things. Like, I really loved actually kind of the quieter moments, like wandering around in the Citadel, mm-hmm. picking up on various conversations that were happening. Um, what like the, a lot of the memories that stick to my mind when it comes to Mass Effect 2, One though are complaints are the fucking Mako the like sort of the item uh, oh the man- item management was a clusterfuck yeah item management was was a pain in the ass the uh, there were and the other thing that what that kind of bugged me was um, like I definitely like they give you the option of what planet to go to but there's like clearly a like I went to the wrong planet first a blue planet a green planet a white planet <laughs> yeah I went to the planet you should have gone to last first and I got way stuck on the on the final boss fight of that planet and there wasn't really a whole lot I could do from my memory at least maybe I was just being determined and that I could have easily just left but I'm pretty sure like I couldn't really do anything I was kind of just stuck in this boss fight until I figured out how to break the game enough to win the fight uh-huh. Like so, I had to really kind of just figure get out him how, stuck in a corner. Or yeah, something. I just had to like I forget what it was, but I, it was just like I was just running around like an idiot, and like I was like, if I just do this really stupid thing, <laughs> I can maybe win this. And I finally did win it, but I was about to like walk away from the whole game. There was some jank. There was it was an alien woman. I de- I definitely remember the um. The, was it what, Saren's like uh, the matriarch? Was it her? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I think so. And I think she's like the last planet you want to go to. Yeah. Um. So I really wasn't leveled up enough, but I did really dig the fact that is the, isn't isn't it this one where it's like you find out that the uh, the enemy creatures are actually good or or was it the, the Geth? Maybe I think the Geth get a little bit of depth in number two. Okay. That's when you meet Legion, and that's when things because the Geth. But are you find just, out about the Genophage in one, right? Yeah, and all that stuff. Man, that's fucked up shit. That's like some good. Sh- the that's some good ass sci-fi in there. Yeah, yeah, like really good. And I wasn't really even expect. I kind of okay. Yeah, just the Solarian be like, okay, hear me out. We were on unth- unethical douchebags, and we wiped out an entire species. <laughs> but hear me out. Uh, they're fucking space jocks, and they'll beat us all up yeah. if they fuck too much. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, that was fascinating. That was really good stuff, and I really enjoyed that. I think it was more just some of the combat stuff. Sometimes it was definitely a game where I had a very, like, and you never want this with the game, where, like, I didn't necessarily trust the game to, like, not fuck me over, mm-hmm. you know? So I would, like, kind of end up in combat scenarios where I was, like, you know, like, is this game going to fuck me here? Am I going to be able to get through this fight without it being some shit show? Like I always kind of felt no, like the, the mass effect one jank was a hundred percent real. Yeah. Uh, the two things in mass effect that I really love is uh, number one, the reveal of sovereign as the main bad guy. Yes. Th- yeah. It's such a dumb, stupid thing, but like, Oh, that spooky thing wasn't a ship. 
That was the bad guy. Yes. <laughs> that fucking Darth Vader cuttlefish the size of Manhattan. Yeah. It's your actual big baddie. Which is awesome. Uh, and Very cool. Number two was the dumb thing where like, uh, you know, they have to, the, the opening for Mass Effect 2 was way better than the opening of Mass Effect 1. Uh, where like you're on trial yeah. with Saren yeah. and like all the council is like oh not Saren everybody loves Saren and like the model they use for him is already like so, so corrupted evil. with like dark tubes yeah, yeah. coming out of his fucking <laughs> face <laughs> like he's so clearly been consumed like, by evil. evil yeah yeah it's so funny I remember that um, and also, also uh-huh. uh, Kaiden or uh, Ashley just kidding no one cares about him <laughs> yeah I think cares. I Fuck, I can't remember now. I think I kept Kaiden, but yeah, that was the big choice, right? That was the at big the very end, and I was like, oh man. And you know, I think people gave a lot more of a shit though, thinking that that was going to have more of a effect on um, the later games. It and, just boils down to like which random white person you see later in right, the games. Right? Yeah, it, it it really and and it was the person. I, it was the character in the game. Those were the two characters that you were like least interested in the character development. Because they of. weren't cool aliens. Yeah, exactly. You wanted like, like if they chose, you know, alien, yeah, like some of the more, you know, if I had to choose between like Liara or like... Garrus. Garrus, yeah, that would have been an insane choice. I fucking love Garrus. I'm such a goddamn nerd. Garrus is like my cool nerd he's friend. Awesome. Garrus he calibrates was. the cannons. He just... He well, just, wait, and also you find out later that he's this fucking interstellar badass, right? Is He's the one that everyone's like get, talking about. Oh, like, the Archangel? Yeah. Okay, fuck it. We're, okay, Mass Effect 2. We're up to uh, Mass please. Effect 2. Can we get... Over, I, I do want to just really quickly uh, shout out Jack Wall, the composer. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, he worked with musicians such as John Cale, David Byrne, Patti Smith. Um... He ended up uh, getting into game music. He wanted to marry the electronic instrumental palette of the late 70s, early 80s with more organic elements. He wrote a total of 110 minutes of music. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that. There are uh, other composers Yeah, Jack Wall kind of had a more orchestral, grand, cinematic style. Yes. But it's when they he just couldn't fill as all the time they needed. His schedule was too packed. So he brought on another composer named Sam Hewlett. Who actually who brought in the Tangerine Dream '80s synth vibe? Um, if you like, when you think of the Mass Effect music space, it's it's their it's their synergy. Uh, uh, Meg, if you could, if you super producer Megan, uh, keeper of the YouTube clips, if you could bring up uh, Sam Hewlett's uh, Uncharted Worlds. This is like when you think Mass Effect music, this is the vibe. Totally, you want to go for. What planet do you want to go to next, Shepard? And this works so well with the tone of the game. Yeah. So well. That's that's another thing we didn't get into is I love how like when you're in like Citadel space, I I love clean future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I big like time. a nice, like calm, clean, well-designed future. Totally, totally. And then going to these like dirtier trash worlds. Forbidden trash <laughs> worlds to kind of like, you know. Uh, uh, oh shit! There's Vorchek, honey. Let roll up the windows. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then also just a, a quick mention of the fact that the partial nudity c- sex cutscenes had any amount of controversy surrounding them. Because looking back on it, that is ridiculous. And now you get to bang women on a horse in Witcher Three. So yeah, look how oh far my- we've come. Can you imagine, like, some poor teen just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, get naked. Oh, wait, no, don't fade to black. <laughs> Damn it, they always fade to black. <laughs> I know, oh, right? and now I've formed an emotional connection with someone. This sucks. I was so ecstatic, though, when I got when I got it uh, with Liara. I was just like, yeah, we did it, did it. <laughs> What's funny is it was a game where I was going in there being like, man, I hope the action's cool, and I hope, like, the ex- exploration's cool and by the end I'm just like I really hit it off with Liara and I just think we have a future together but who gives a shit about Liara because Jack in Mass Effect 2 rocked my world come on let's talk about it Mass Effect 2 uh, improved a ton of things oh my god dude uh, one of the dumb things I, that like I really thought was brilliant was instead of having your weapons cool down from overheating they just use uh, heat sink clips 
which is the idea that like, oh, if your weapon's getting too hot, just like replace the heat sink and keep firing yeah. like ammo. Just use ammunition. Yeah. Like the way guns work. Exactly. And and this is when they say, you know what? Let's get rid of the uh, turn-based elements of the combat and just make it a shooter. And I like that a lot. Uh, the peop- there are a lot of there are people out there. Not a lot, I wouldn't say necessarily, but there are people out there that argue for the first one because they prefer that style. But uh, I definitely was like, whoa, way better, you know. The Normandy blows up within the first five minutes. Of the it's game. amazing. The opening is so awesome it's like this crazy action scene you have no idea that's gonna happen you think that's insane especially for like how slow the ramp up is for mass effect one to just jump in there with this insane action and just this wildly cinematic opening and shepherd like straight dies (laughs) yeah and then bring him back to life yeah he's dead as fuck yeah you can rebuild him though (laughs) um so uh, yeah, Casey Hudson returns to direct. Uh, they were they wanted him to have a plot where optional stories had as much intensity as the main story, and decided that an idea of recruiting people and making them loyal to the player so they could survive a suicide mission allowed to explore these possibilities. So yes, they're working towards what they term from the very beginning as a suicide mission, which is a badass premise. Yeah, for getting the getting the team together for one last score and it that's has that it. whole energy to that's it. That's it. That's the best. Like. It is kind of weird after everything's said and done that like the final boss is just a big dumb space baby, yeah, T one thousand looking motherfucker. Yeah, they, that they were never like necessarily. I mean, they had to like you knew the Reapers were coming. They already had like a vanguard kind of like it was just kind of this weird in between. It doesn't matter. It's the second act. It was about the characters. You just gave me a flashback actually to one of my favorite moments of the first Mass Effect, which was how epic the ending was of the first Mass Effect. And I just mean the environment itself. Like you looked up and just saw these massive spacecraft and and just the whole uh, scenario was so huge. And I think that is actually the moment I was like, oh, I'm into this series now. It was actually the very end of the first Mass Effect. And then I was like really excited to start the next one, right? And then, yeah, this one was super all about the characters. And they were all awesome characters fantastic characters i might have to ask you to pull up a character list because the oh, names you mean this one i have right in Great, front of me right you. now because the names are going to s- totally escape me um uh jack was my girl was my she was had a my, tough upbringing she rocked and rolled it she had this whole super like and she was bald and tatted up and um uh she just, killed all her friends <laughs> just very badass very very badass um also it kind of puts uh Caden's dumb complaining about being a biotic into stark relief <laughs> yeah uh there's a lot of like yeah yeah which uh, one is what are the uh robots called the robot race the geth the geth legion is amazing legion is such a great character he's wearing your corpse as a fucking like yeah. suit legion rules and his storyline totally ruled and this is the thing everybody's storyline was fantastic you just couldn't wait to go find out about each one of these characters because it always paid off i mean i'm sure i i'm maybe i'm forgetting someone who was less interesting than others but i remember jacob just, no one really like poor yeah. jacob <laughs> poor jacob yeah i remember for the most part you know morden solace is of course a, a big fan favorite I, god i mean I, Morden is like such a good character because like the entire point of the Solarians is that they're these like hyper logical, uh, hyper intelligent race that like their metabolism goes so fast that they die at age like 30. So they literally don't have time for ethics. Yeah. They just like go, 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 go. And that was such a great idea for a character. Uh, Also, the fact that like he's in your party and he's like basically Space Goebbels. He's like real fucking. I'm sorry. No. Uh. Uh. Who's the Who's the bad Nazi uh, doctor? Mangala. Mangala. He's space Mangala. Uh. No biggie. Um. You get more Tali uh, moments. A lot of people really like Tali. Yeah. I always saw her as more of like a little sister. Like was, whenever someone tells me that like Tali's their go-to girl, I'm like, oh, you just like a naive space gypsy to show around. <laughs> I was very bummed there was no Liara in this one, but I was so won over by the other characters. Of course, everybody. Talks about uh, Miranda Lawson, the like bo- ridiculous bombshell. I couldn't, I didn't want to get together with her though because she just didn't have enough of a personality. No, yeah, she was like, she, her entire thing, it's like, it's not easy being raised to be perfect. Like, y- nope, no sympathy. It's like the first time I'm realizing now that I actually like f- got it when it came to like dating sims. 
This is like the very first game uh, or series of games that made me be like, oh yeah, this is. I see how this is fun. I'm not. I didn't. I'm not even thinking. Realizing that till just now. But uh, man, I got really into the who are you going to choose to be romantic with and everything. No, the number one fuckboy of this entire game is fucking Thane Krios. Yes. All the ladies love Thane. Yeah, yeah. He's a fuck. He, I mean, you should probably feel a lot of, uh, you know, you're also a deadly lizard man. That's true. You also uh, had your family murdered. That's by true. Something, you know. Is he the assassin? He is the assassin guy his, with the black eyes. His that, story is very cool. His story is amazing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people really felt it for. Uh, thing. I love that Garrus has becomes a fucking space Batman uh-huh. at a certain point. And then um let's see, who are we who Oh, are, is Liara in it? In the uh, Shadow Broker DLC, you can oh, play okay. alongside Liara. That's right. And she That's becomes right. the Shadow Broker. That's right. That's um, a spoiler. Randall, Zaid don't care. Kasumi, is Grunt? Grunt is uh, Grunt is the uh is the Krogan. He's like the genetically bred Krogan. The big giant one, right? Yeah, the the the, the fighty dinosaur man. Yeah. Rex yeah. is the red one. Oh, okay. Runt is the white one. I loved those guys. I loved yeah. those characters. They were great. Their entire society is based on who headbutts better. Yeah, yeah. And they, and that was the thing. And they're the one who's, who got genetically... Uh, the genophage. Yeah. yeah, got wiped out because... Well, oh, God, I, I love that the That stuff lore. is great. That stuff is so, so good. So the Solarians... Uh, Genetically elevated the Krogans to fight the Rachni, uh, who are fucking death spiders times xenomorphs times a million. Um, in Mass Effect 1, you can choose to spare the Rachni queen. Right. And now that was one of those things that fans later were disappointed about, that that didn't really have a greater effect on they, the rest of the games. Well, we'll get to Mass Effect 3 and like how they stuck the land, how they did and didn't st- stick the land. Yeah. But... uh yeah, so in Mass Effect 2, you're like going around space. You're working with the elusive man. Uh, they improved the lighting. They improved the... Con- like, the, the game itself looks darker and more cinematic, kind of like a noir movie. Uh, all the characters that you got to know in the first game have, like, grown and evolved from the last time you saw them. Uh, the characters they introduce are kind of... You know, they have layers to them. Um, just all around, Mass Effect 2 is kind of held up as this this kind of paragon so to speak of of uh that generation game design. it's funny too we're talking about the characters the world the plot all that stuff that's the real memorable stuff whereas i'm looking at this and all of the action elements are just a total reflection of games of that time period regeneration of health cover shooting it's all like gun like shitloads of guns with different tuning or 19 weapons with 108 tuning variations oh yeah you got a mod man yeah it's it is so a reflection of the xbox 360 era you know of like all those little so uh, really the I mean, fighting can, was very much infiltrator and like cloak around you can be like an adept and like just throw psychic tornadoes at people and getting to like force people up into the air force power yeah. people up in the air and stuff and do combos with that kind of stuff was really really fun and I did get a kick out of the action elements but you're really here for the story the characters the world Mm -hmm. um I think that you know it it really felt like almost secondary um uh yeah so I loved Mass Effect 2 I remember just being very addicted to it just just coming just only wanting to come home and play more Mass Effect 2 it's really funny because I was I'm I'm kind of like a sci I was kind of a sci-fi fuckboy back in the day in the sense that I just kind of rolled my eyes at it or sort of was like oh whatever you spaceship nerds like Lord of the Rings is like the good you know fantasies where it's at. yeah I don't know it just took me a long time to get into sci-fi and so I remember when Mass Effect one first came out I was like that sounds like the last thing that I want to play. Cut to years later when I was finally like, all right, fine, I'll get Mass Effect because, you know, everyone talks about it and I just don't want to be like left out of the loop or whatever, you know. So um, I start playing through it. And by the time I get to Mass Effect 2 and I'm in there getting to know these characters and everything, I am fucking loving it so hard. I just was like like getting bummed out like oh this is gonna end at some point and i'm gonna be so sad what it is you know and also like Just walking around the ci- I, yeah I, I rem- I, it's either on the citadel or omega uh there's like an asari like stripper who's or i'm sorry uh erotic dance artist yes that uh what's the name of the club planet or whatever i think it's omega Ome- oh okay you or that's said that's omega. like the 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 dirty crime planet yeah yeah uh, i love that crazy and like there's a planet. turian which is uh you know garris's race there's a krogan which is rex's race and there's a human all like staring at the same asari space blue space babe and they're all like pointing out different parts of her that they find attractive and they're huh. not like 
gelling. Yeah. And the and they're like all standing there and just kind of being like, oh, wait, they're super psychic, right? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think they're just projecting what we think is attractive so we'll be like more like pliable to them? And they're like, shit, maybe. <laughs> Fuck. And then they're just standing there still watching her dancing, but they get real quiet. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just amazing. like casual fucking sci-fi fun floofery. Yeah. That's, you know. All the little moments are fucking great all those little and and i and i love games like that where like it, i feel like that initially started with stuff like gta 3 where you'd start to just pass by people and just hear stuff out the corner of your ear and it would make you laugh or whatever and mass effect really developed that so well where you could just kind of explore a space really not care about um, you know, necessarily like moving the plot for and just like be in that world and just get to enjoy, you know, the 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 environment and the conversations that you just hear out the side of your at the corner of your ear and they would all, you know, be wonderful like little pieces. Another know? dumb detail I really like about the universe is how so much of the technology is just shit they found. Like yeah. the mass relays and the citadels yeah, and the keepers. That was, and everyone agrees. It's weird. We don't know how any of this was invented, but fuck it. It's here and it works. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I love it because that is the mass effect. Yeah. The mass effect is the discovery of this technology created by some alien race. Right. right? That's the basic. The pr- premise. They say the Protheans, but then as we get deeper and deeper into it, it's we like find part of- something else. Out. I don't want to. I don't necessarily. If people want to. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's Mass Effect Three <laughs> is a lot of it does a lot of things right. Um, some decisions and some things pay off really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, all sorts of different calculations going on between, like uh, how much trust you build up with your team, uh, how much uh, decisions imported from the previous games, and there are tons of cool little moments that like really hit home the fact that. You play through these games and the and the the pact that we talked about, the covenant between the player and Bioware was like kind of held through that your choices did matter a little bit. Uh huh. The ending infuriated fans. So, yeah. And I'm going to say this right now. Having played the game way after it came out, knowing about all of this controversy with the fans and everything, all of this backlash, um, and and going into the series with all of that in mind, also going into the series, they added a DLC at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they went back and added a DLC because of the backlash that gave you a more of an a, And we're not even going to get into the ethics of like what a fan can demand of a yeah, creative person. Like totally. We're just throwing that out the window. Totally. But uh, uh, I will say this. I was like way not upset by really? my experience because I knew that it wasn't going to be this mind blowing ending that it was going to be, you know, I I knew that it was, you know, and there were really strong, cool moments in that game. The Morden Solace sacrifice mm-hmm. moment. The um, That's the, a big one. That's you know, a real big really one. Really good stuff in there. And it's like, okay, fine. Like knowing that. The decisions I made in the first game are not necessarily going to impact the third one in a in a valuable, meaningful way. Knowing that the ending's going to be a little skimpy, going to be a little, you know, not exactly... A lot of Joker focus. Uh-huh, a yeah. A lot of, like, you, I know you were playing the game, like, having fun and, like, making friends, but, like, do you ever wondered whether or not Joker's going to fuck a robot? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was like... These are the questions that are the red that uh, this uh, famous or this is pure hearsay. But uh, Drew Carpatian, Carpatian, fuck, we should have looked these up before. <laughs> uh, was not the he had moved on at that point. Yeah, it was uh, Mark Walters uh, who did write on the other Mass Effect games. But there was a huge like, was the lead writer, and and Casey Hudson is returning to direct her. He directed all three of them. Um, this is my horrible nerd story about the ending of Mass Effect Three. Uh, I was hanging outside of an open mic. And uh, I was still smoking at the time, so I was like smoking, hanging out with a bunch of other comics. And uh, do you remember Danny Cruz at all? Name sounds familiar. He was a very fine person, funny comic. Uh, he just casually dropped that like he was about to beat the game, and ha- and like I was like, oh, so you heard like all the controversy? He's like, no, what controversy? And I was like, hey, can I just follow you home and watch you play the last hour of the game. That's awesome. And like, you know, he was like, well, I'm not ready to go home. He was like, I'll wait. Like I (laughs) I legit stalked this very nice friend of mine because I wanted to see with my own eyes what the betrayal in his heart would look like. And like, 
I, you know, very sparse comedian apartment, you know, like a lone couch and a big screen TV and nothing else in yeah. his living room. Uh, he plays through the uh, final boss. He meets the fucking space kid. He goes through all the dialogue wheels. He picks a color and like he finishes the game and he's just real quiet for a second. <laughs> and I'm just like eager. I'm just like, so, so what do you think? And he's just like real quiet and he just shoots up from his chair and just starts stamping around being like, that was fucking bullshit. <laughs> like just totally loses right, it. Right. <laughs> and I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that a, the second game was the best of the three mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to have any delusions about that. I knew that I need to not worry necessarily about it being the, about the ending and understand. It's not about the fucking ending, man. It's about the journey. But it, like, Plus I really get to see Jack with her cool long hair. It, that's true. <laughs> I really well that I will talk about that in just a second because <laughs> my romantic shit is hilarious in the third game. So um, I uh, just was kind of accepted it by the time I got there. Plus, I had the DLC uh, with the with the nice like. Mm-hmm. The party DLC, essentially. It's a party where you walk around and just kind of get closure with the characters and everything. And and everyone interacts from different games. Yeah. Yeah, That's like. And that was cool, man. And like, I I thought that was, I felt like that was enough for me. And that's mainly because I knew, you know, that it wasn't going to, the ending wasn't going to blow my mind. But what I loved about this game were just the characters that I met, the world that I was living in. And I didn't need some profound, I mean, what, what could have they have done? To give people a satisfying ending. Like maybe actually shown the choices and sacrifices and allies you made along the way exactly. doing something. Exactly. Instead of just having a weird boy being like, turns out the entire story was actually about synthetics versus organics. Organics have fought for years. Like yeah. It's just such a fucking crazy dump just, of psychobabble. dump without any. And this is, I think, the problem right here. They wanted to treat it the game like a movie and make sure that players playing it for the first time would just be able to jump in. I think that's the big mistake they made. They went into Mass Effect 3 saying, we need to make the big finale to this epic series, but we also need to make it so that somebody could have not played the first two and just jump right in. You know, and I think that when you go about it like that. Is that why they had Vega in there? Nobody likes Vega. He's like a (laughs) weird Jersey Shore bro. Like, it's a lot. I think it's just a lot of being like trying to please. I think they should have made the game probably with the idea that everybody that the players who were playing it had played the first two games. If they had done that, I think it would have been very different. And and all this stuff with the ending and stuff at the same time. It was also the only entry released for the Wii U. Right? And that <laughs> speaks for itself. Like, why would, like, obviously, if they're trying to release this on a console, uh, the third, only the third game on a on a console, that obviously they weren't ever trying to make it, uh, this cohesive work, you know? And, and, and that, I feel like you had to choose one or the other. And instead, they waffled between the two. Mm-hmm. And that's where they shot themselves in the foot. But that said, I understood that I was what I knew what I was getting going in. So I was like, man, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I don't know. You know, like, cause I, like I got to live with these characters for another handful, you know, uh, several, several hours, you know, got to really sort of just do this, be in this world. So what was the romance kerfuffle? Okay. So, so I went after Liara in the first game, got her, went after Jake <laughs> in the second game. Uh, hey there. Sorry about that. Hey there, longtime friend. Ooh. Yeah, you could cut the tension we with a fucking Omni to tool right now. We are going to after this, and our girlfriends are going to watch. <laughs> fucking leave it on the, can we Twitch stream it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we won't get kicked off for having homosexual sex. Um, uh, but no, with Jack, I got Jack in the second one. Mm-hmm. Third game, I'm like, oh shit, Liara's back. I'm fucking going for it. We but go she on a knows date. You cheated on her. We go on a date. We're hitting it off, and then I see Jack, and I'm like, Jack, please, <laughs> can we please? So we all have a mission together. I take Liara and Jack. At one point, Jack is just like, make out with me, and I'm just like, because I am the worst. <laughs> I'm like, sure. <laughs> and then I make it out with her and Liara is literally standing right behind us, staring at us make out. I seal the deal with Jack. And the problem with that is you can't bang her in the third game. So I just totally screwed myself. And the third one, Jack's just like, see you around. And you just like never get any like 
thing with her in the game. So I just totally, and Liar's the one I truly loved. Jack was just this like wonderful, you know, uh, hot, uh, psychically fling. damaged. Yeah. Fling. Uh, yeah. She's that bad girl. Like she's that crazy fling. You're like, whoo, that was nuts. You know, I need to get some sleep because it's been three days straight, you know, whatever. And then Liar was the one I wanted, man. And I screwed. I was literally like, should I start this game over because of this? Like, I was so crestfallen. So I can't believe I did that in a game. I can't believe that I f fucked that up. Like, I totally like someone would do in real life in a game. <laughs> I was so pissed. Anyways, this is my story. That's cool. <laughs> I like that there's the option where uh, in Mass Effect 2, there's like Samara, like the Asari, like cop. And like you can like help her kill her daughter because she's a weird sex vampire that'll kill people if you have sex with yeah. her. Yeah. But then her daughter's like, yo, Shep, hear me out. I'll fucking fuck you to death if you like kill my mom for me. <laughs> and you can just choose to yeah. like have her take her mom's place. I forgot about that. And then you can have the death sex and you lose. That's amazing. <laughs> and you can have death sex. Yeah. We didn't even get into, by the way, before we before we finish up with a, a, a as little Andromeda talk as we can have. Can we talk about how it's bullshit you don't get a Volisk squad made at any point during the game? Oh, yeah. They're the fat little Mr. Mole people. Yeah, you never get one of those. Um, so the, the Can we talk about how the Batarians are just a real bunch of dinguses? <laughs> Which one are the Batarians? They're these assholes. Remember these assholes? Uh, yeah. Nobody likes They're the Batarians. The oh, we didn't even talk about the the assassin lady with the um uh she has no she has that mask where she doesn't really have like a face. She's uh she talks through uh her. She, hmm? Wait, Tali? The Quarians, yeah. Oh yeah, the 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 Quarians and the Geth. I loved the Quarians. Yeah, no, they Talking to Tali about the Quarian Society is super fascinating. Talking about their history with the Geth is super fascinating. Yeah. Um, there's a really cool thing you can do where, like, uh, Tali goes back to the Quarian fleet and um, you can bring Legion <laughs> as one of your squad mates. And every scene has to start because, you know, I, it, it's the attention to detail is really fun. Is just every time you enter a new location, everyone just goes, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? That's a goddamn Geth. Why did you do that? Don't just bring a Geth on board and pretend we're not going to freak out, you yeah, asshole. Yeah. That's so good. Um, okay, so... Uh, I just have to really quickly say that they, they literally raised up $80,000 in less than two weeks for charity uh, in a campaign called Retake Mass Effect to demand a better ending. I mean, this is really... And one fan went to the Federal Trade Commission um, about the ending of Mass Effect 3. Like, it was a fucking ridiculous-ass, huge-ass deal. And I think it's ridiculous, personally. I think it's real, real silly to uh, cause that much of an uproar. You um, say ridiculous. I say ridiculous is making you care about a group of people in a well-built right. universe Please, under the Jake. promise of and having your care. choices matter. Oh. Only to have everything you had worked up to, the resolution, the the thing we all seek in life, the thing that narrative gives us, a conclusion, a, a the release of finality, uh, and instead having a hologram boy talk about <laughs> fucking bullshit for five minutes until you pick a color. <laughs> well, whatever they put so out so that the party you can thing. finally figure out whether or not Seth Green fucks the lady from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> well, then they I put said that good party. day, sir. They put the party out. So, anyways, they can't, that actually forced them to put DLC out. Uh, with some more cinematic closure, but they said they would not uh, change the ending. Um, okay, Mass Effect Andromeda was a giant disappointment created by um, some other team. Another team on a different Montreal. engine. Frostbite 3 engine. It was released on March 2017. I'll just say this about Mass Effect Andromeda. I went over to a friend's house and he was like, I have Mass Effect Andromeda. I was like, cool, I would love to see that game. We go into the game and it freezes. And he says, huh, this is weird. This, I was like, does this happen a lot? He was like, sometimes. And then he restarts the <laughs> The game and it froze again and then you restart the game and it froze again and I never actually saw the game yep uh, that's how bad that experience was um, I feel bad some people defend the game some people like it but uh, yeah it was it was uh, essentially what happened was what had happened was they, oh, they had like a fraction of the budget and yeah. like it was rushed out the door like nobody on board they were like hope 
You know what happened? It was the um, what's the name of the planet game, the exploration game that was a big no flop. man's sky. It, they, I think, what they wanted to do was make their own no man's sky based on the hype that that was getting, <laughs> and then they realized that that was going to not work, and they had to abandon all of that work that they had done trying to create ironically a that no man's sky. That no man's sky also did not work. Yes, exactly. And so because of that, they were tried to scrap a game together uh, last minute with low with uh, not much budget. Um, and that's why it was a big complete No, but even show. then, like, they would keep adding updates that were just, like, like adding basic reflections to the character model's eyes yeah. because that helps with, like, just the uncanny the valley. The facial expressions look, were awful at first. There mm. were tons of glitches. The writing wasn't great. They tried to do an open world thing, and it just didn't really work for the series. The lead writer, the senior editor, and other members of the leadership all departed from Bioware during the production of this game. It was it was, it was was doomed to failure, um, for sure. But on the rise, we've got a game called Anthem, and I think that's where we can really wrap things mm-hmm. up here. It's an online multiplayer action RPG slated for a 2018 release on Windows, PS4, <coughs> Destiny Xbox One. It's totally a Destiny. It's totally a Destiny ripoff. Um, uh, they literally even said um, uh, they plan to support the game with new content and updates long after the game's official release, and that its launch will be the start of maybe a 10-year journey for Bioware, which is literally, literally. what they said about Destiny literally when they came they out with that. Destiny. But it'll be interesting. You assume the role of a freelancer, one of a group of uh Bold and courageous people who leave their civilization to explore a lush and dangerous landscape. And I will say this. The E3 footage was very good. It looked great. That's exactly what I was going to say. The trailer looked really cool. I'm definitely interested in picking that up when it comes out. And uh, I think that's going to fucking do it. Also, the original Mass Effect writer is back for that. Oh, badass. Drew Krabbishirman. And we'll see what he does with this format because it's such a different format. It's so hard to write well for this. Destiny is still struggling with that aspect of trying to actually put interesting plot elements into this open RPG, uh, you know, open multiplayer thing. I think that's always a difficulty that's never quite been achieved. Um, Having really strong plot in that type of Guys, just throw your computers in the trash, kill your television, find a good dungeon master and just fucking lay out your character sheets and just just talk to your friends yeah like cool nerds yeah and then die of mountain dew poisoning while your mom yells that you're 27 and you need to get a real job (laughs) thanks everybody for joining us you can catch me on twitch i'm on there as holdnators hope i am on twitter at best jake young oh shit and um yeah i don't know thanks for everything please leave a review on itunes please we're like we're slipping. We're slipping, we're slipping, man. Slipping, <laughs> man. And it gives me a sad balls. I used to get. I used to look at our ranking on iTunes and, and get happy like, balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is people might listen to this like a year from now and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You don't exist anymore." No, no. But they'll be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You're fucking number fucking blue because they have a different number system." By that. Oh, point. you're talking about iTunes three point eight. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody, have a good one. We'll see you soon.